Thank you, Lord, that you have given us Jesus. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room, anyone watching online, who has yet, not yet received this gift. Lord, I pray that right now your Holy Spirit would do its magnificent work of convicting and convincing and showing them the goodness of our great God. Lord, that today they would receive this gift of salvation. Thank you for it. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. So glad you're here. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Normally you respond back to me. Merry, Merry Christmas. I'm going to try that again. Merry Christmas. All right, that's a little more gooder right there. So uh, I love Christmas time. I'm still a kid at heart. Um, but I would imagine if you got children that they are about to pop right now. They're just about to bust. They're so excited about Christmas. If you've got grandchildren, uh, I, I, I understand how exciting it is to watch the little ones get excited. I remember when our boys were little and just watch them get excited. And, and, uh, and you, I've heard so many people say, somebody was just telling me yesterday, man, when you get grandkids, how, just watching them get excited over Christmas time. Well, we get excited and more so as we build up to the day because of the anticipation. The anticipation. It just gets almost unbearable. As you watch your little kiddos, just, uh, just so they, they, they've, they've, they've been there before. They've experienced all the joys of Christmas. They're old enough now to understand all that's going to happen when that day happens. And so they just, it's just almost become a, um, a pest. That's what they, they've just become, just shut up and leave me alone for the day. If you ask mom, if you ask the kids, we were to go over there to Children's Church right now. Are y'all ready for Christmas? Yeah! Oh, they'll be all ready for Christmas. If you ask mom, I'm ready for it to be over with. That's sometimes uh, the downer response we get from moms. But uh, the anticipation of Christmas. Well, can you imagine if you were the nation of Israel and you have been anticipating the Messiah coming for thousands of years and in, and you've not even heard from God for 400 years from Malachi to Matthews 400 years they have had no prophecy no word from the Lord for 400 years you can imagine they would probably begin to think it's not coming the Messiah is not coming last week we talked about we've been waiting for you today we're talking about we've been looking for you and that's because the anticipation is building as the angels appear on the scene and begin to prepare those who are part of the story, saying, it's happening now. Look with me to Luke chapter 1. I'm going to give you a little bit, bit of a background. There was a family uh, in which an older man, older woman, and these, these, uh, this, this couple have had no children. So they, they've had no kids. She's been considered barren. To be barren in this time is almost like a curse upon you. Uh, it comes with a stigma. Uh, there's a constant thought of, 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 in their theology, what have they done wrong that God won't bless them? Um, and just know that it, their theology was flawed, but it was a part of their theology that if you were right, if you did right, you got blessings. If you did wrong, you would not receive those blessings you can imagine the stigma of this lady named Elizabeth who was now up in her age and she had no children so Zechariah her husband was of the priestly order there were a lot of priests and so it would it would come to uh, 
uh, the casting of lots. There would be a, a selection of when they would serve. And it just so happened, and you know with God there's no coincidence, it just so happened that it was Zachariah's time to go before the Lord and serving in the temple, and there he is in the holy place as he's serving the Lord, all of a sudden an angel appears. And as this angel appears to him, the angel begins to tell him about the, the fact that the Messiah is coming. And you can imagine the anticipation and yet the doubt. And because of the doubt, Zacharias was made mute for a season. He could not speak for a season, but it was through him that John the Baptist would come and John the Baptist would prepare the hearts of the people to receive the Messiah, who was also gonna be a part of his family. So in Luke chapter one, uh, we, we see that this angel appears, tells uh, Zacharias this good news. He can't talk, but somehow he gets this word to his wife Elizabeth. Verse 24, now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and she hid herself five months saying, thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people, to be reproached among the people. This kind of shares with you the stigma that she had as a barren woman. And yet now she is about to have a child. And so she feels like this is just the greatest thing ever. And yet the the child that she is going to bring about, even though that's so good for her, he is only preparing the way for the, the child who would be the way, and that would be Jesus. So let me move forward now to, uh, the, uh, to the story where the angel comes and visits Mary. The angel comes to Mary and says, the Messiah is now coming, and he's going to bring, uh, God is going to bring him forth through you, Mary. How can these be since I have, these things be since I have not been with a man? And so this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah and that a virgin would bring forth a child. The angel says it's going to happen through you even though you've not been with a man. And Mary's response is the greatest. Look with me in verse 37. Uh, the angel says, for with God nothing will be impossible. Then verse 38, then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. The angel departed from her. Well, that's, that's not much. It is everything. Let it be to me as you have said, God. Whatever you want for my life, the answer is yes. Whatever you, my life, God, is a blank check. I'm signing it, handing it to you. You fill in the blank. Let it be to me as you have said. Whatever your will is, I want that for my life. Well, this uh, Mary and Elizabeth are cousins. Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. Uh, when, when Elizabeth in her home uh, sees Mary, uh, let's read it. Verse 42, then she spoke with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So here's little Mary. Mary is a teenager at most, pregnant, probably not even showing. And the older one, Elizabeth, is now calling the baby in Mary's womb her Lord. I don't know if you grasp the gravity of that, but here comes teenager bopping in through the door. Mary has a worship experience and says, my Lord has entered my house. So uh, verse 43 again, but why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed. Elizabeth is still speaking. And speaking to Mary, blessed is she who did what? 
How do we know she believed? Because she said, behold, let it be unto me as you have said. Obedience follows belief. And this is what we, if we were to go back, and we're not going to, but if we would go back to the book of Exodus, in which the nation of Israel uh, would anger God, and they angered God because they did not obey, and they did not obey because they did not believe. And he would say those very words, they do not believe me. They do not believe me. Because, how do we know they didn't believe him? Because they didn't trust him enough to follow through with his will. But Mary did. Mary said, let it be unto me as you have said. Elizabeth says, blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Do you know, child of God, that your faith is absolutely essential in receiving his blessings? Jesus, there was a village in which he could not do very many miracles because they did not believe it is the one thing that, will, that will, will stop God from pouring his blessings out on you. You don't trust him. You're not willing to follow through in obedience. You're not willing to follow through because you don't believe him. You don't trust him. And so Mary, here's this young teenager, and she said, I believe him. And, and let it be unto me as you have said. And then, then we have this crazy encounter in which the, the one person who appropriately responded to the presence of Jesus hadn't even been born yet. What does he do? He has a little dancing jig going on. John the Baptist, I mean, he cuts a little rug and he is, <laughs> he is in her stomach. I don't know what that felt like, but she said, he's jumping for joy in there. That's hard to grasp. In the physical, this is a, this is a yet to be born child. And yet in the spirit of that child, he recognized the spirit of God that had just walked into his presence. And, and, and remember, Jesus is, is way younger than John is at this time. He might not even be showing. Verse 46. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. I'm not going to read all of this. It's called the Magnificant because Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord. But here's what, here's what I, I learned at Bel Air Elementary School when I was a little guy. We had two types of magnification. We had microscopes and telescopes. That's what we had. Well, in, in my house, I had a magnifying glass with which I could burn stuff. And I did. Ants, leaves, and start fires, but magnification. He said, my, my soul magnifies the Lord. Microscopes take what's tiny and make it look big. That's not the magnification that her soul is magnifying the Lord. God's not small, is he? God's not small. But to the nation of Israel, he has been distant. He has been distant. They've not heard anything from God for some time. But she, see, the other type, that telescope, it takes what is distant and draws it near. Amen. And when you worship the Lord, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. So if you came into this building this morning and you felt like God was distant, begin magnifying the Lord. Begin worshiping the Lord and see if he can't come in and purge out that feeling of distance. When he walks into the room, everything changes. Even if he's walking in as an unborn child, a yet-to-be-born child. So let's get back to Mary. Mary is praising the Lord and she's praising the Lord for her salvation. She's praising the Lord for her salvation. That's how she begins. She begins to worship the Lord and how he has come to save her. And then she worships the Lord because he is going to use her to save the world. 
Amen? I hope that you have that kind of maturity, the same kind of maturity as this teenage girl who the only thing she's ever heard from God came to the... Now, I, I, I guess it would be pretty powerful. Angels showed up in your room. I mean, that'd be pretty powerful. But she has studied the scriptures and she knew the word of the Lord. And, and we know that she knew the word of the Lord because as she begins to worship him, she's quoting scriptures. Do you have this in your knowledge? Because if the spirit of God moves upon you and you begin to speak, do you have a well from which to draw from? Amen. I, I pray that you're spending not just quality time in the word, but quantity time in the word. Amen. I pray that you are reading the Word of God. You get this in here. And, and, and as we come close to New Year's, uh, can I encourage you to make some, some good decisions to, 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 to take on some new practices? And I just want to start now encouraging read through the whole Bible this next year. Read through the whole Bible. This year. I read through every year. And... Uh, I'm always, I'll read a different translation because I want it to be fresh to me. And I'm, I just want to get more of the word in me. I want more knowledge of the scriptures. Mary had a knowledge of the scriptures. And as she was moved by God, scriptures flew out. Amen. And she began worshiping God because he saved her. But then she also worshiped God because he was going to use her to save the world through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Mary does not save the world, but she is an instrument used by God to bring salvation. You don't save the world, but you can be an instrument by God to bring salvation. I remember a guy told me here a little while back, and I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to kind of mess people up. I don't want to jam somebody up. He said, you saved me several years ago. And I don't want to say, I ain't saved you, you know, but I, I don't save people. Um, I'm not nearly that powerful I'm not the Savior. But I tried to correct him and say, well, the Lord Jesus saved you. I think it was Billy Sunday who was walking uh, along the street. Billy Sunday was a former baseball player, professional athlete, turned preacher, and he was a crazy, amazing evangelist. And people were getting saved like crazy. And he'd go into inner cities and uh, evangelize, and people get saved. And this old drunk off the street wobbled up to him one day and said, Billy Sunday! You saved me five years ago. And he said, you look like something I'd save. <laughs> That's the truth. If it was up to me to save someone, they're in bad shape. However, I am an instrument as well as you are an instrument for God to pour his light through. Y'all follow me. Mary is excited and worshiping the Lord to be a part of his process. And guess what? Today you are a part of his process. Amen. My mom and dad just celebrated 50 years of marriage today. They were in the previous service. And uh, or they celebrated it this week. And I, I got to mention it in the previous service. But 50 years. And I am thankful that God used them to bring salvation to this seven-year-old boy. Amen. And all, all of you parents who are in here, whose kids are over in children's church right now, guess what? You are a part of God's process. You are the instrument of his salvation. No, you're not the Savior, but you have the good news of Jesus Christ to bring that salvation message to your children. Amen? You're part of the process. 
And so Mary is celebrating that God uses her to bring salvation to the world. Let's move on. I got to get to moving. Verse 67. Now John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, he is now filled with the Spirit and begins this prophecy. And so, uh, remember, he was told by an angel, you're going to have a child, you're going to name him John. He, he doubts God, goes mute for a season, but then all of a sudden, John's born. And then when John's born, he, it, Zacharias' tongue is loose, and he begins to speak the words of God. He prophesies. Amen? You with me? Verse 67. Let me back up for one second before I go to reading this and tell you what his name means. Zacharias' name means... He, God, has remembered. Zechariah's name means he has remembered. Now you remember, it's been 400 years from the time anyone ever heard anything from God until Zechariah's mom and dad said, let's name him God has remembered. Elizabeth's name means this, his holy covenant. So God has remembered and his holy covenant have come together and brought forth a son whose name is God's gracious gift. Amen. Anybody in here named John? Anybody? Hey, John. God's gracious gift right there. Amen. Anybody in here named Zacharias? Probably not. <laughs> so anyway, God's greatest gift uh, has come forward. Not John wasn't God's greatest gift. He was the one who prepared people for God's greatest gift in his name. Let's go into it. Verse 67. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and he has raised up a horn or the power of his salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To perform the mercy promised to our fathers, y'all ready for it? And to remember, he has remembered, his holy covenant. Zacharias, Elizabeth, then comes the Messiah. To remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve God, or it might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life, and you, child, little John the Baptist, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, check this out, this is where we're going to hang out, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Zacharias, his son, his son, John the Baptist, was born. Of course, he wasn't called John the Baptist when he was a baby. He's just John. Right. Ain't baptized nobody yet. And so he's just John. John is born. Zacharias is filled with the Holy Spirit, begins prophesying, and he talks more about this boy that ain't even born yet than he talks about his own son. Why? Because everybody's been looking for him. This nation has been looking for the Messiah. They've been anticipating. The excitement has now become explosive in the life of this family because they've been vis visited by angels and said, it's time. And you're a part of this. You're a part of the story. If you look with me again to verse 78, the day spring from on high. 
Can you imagine a, a, a world of darkness? A world in which you don't know anything but darkness. And, and then all of a sudden one day you were, let, let's just say that you were blind. And then just imagine that in your blindness, all of a sudden one day light begins shining. And, and, and your world of darkness just all of a sudden changed into life. Now, this is a time of spiritual darkness, which the nation of Israel was under the pressure of one after the other after the other. They were always in some sort of conflict. There was always junk going on in their land. And now they haven't even heard from their God for 400 years. And now all of a sudden they said, there's the day spring from on high. What's the day spring? Day spring is another passage called a bright and morning star. There is a, uh, the sun, the sun all of a sudden bursting onto the scene in the middle of the night. And, and, and so it's not like early in the morning when it slowly gets gradually light. It's like a bursting onto the scene. And so John the Baptist, his dad, Zechariah, is prophesying that there will be one to come that he's going to burst onto the scene and in the midst of spiritual darkness, all of a sudden bring the righteousness of God and bring light to the world. Amen? Amen. He's the light of the world. But then he goes on to say, to give light, verse 79, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. We are in a time of spiritual darkness. And it's getting uh, uh, nationwide... It's getting darker all the time. Getting dark. If you, you, can't, if you can't see that, if you can't recognize the darkness, if the darkness uh, is kind of indistinguishable to you, then you've become too accustomed to it. Can I just help you understand it? If it doesn't seem dark to you, then you need to come into the light for a little bit. Because once you come into the light a little bit, you, you can recognize, oh, that's dark over there. But if you're accustomed to the darkness, all of a sudden it don't seem so dark anymore. And, and so let's not be so accustomed to the darkness that we don't even recognize it. And if you're not recognizing it, all you got to do is turn on the television set for just a little bit. You don't even have to watch any kind of program at all. Just watch the commercials for just a little bit. And if you can't distinguish the darkness that is going on in society around us, then you've come too accustomed with it. So let me just help you understand, it's getting dark out there. It is getting dark out there. But I'll also help you understand that I'm not a doomsday kind of guy because in Henderson County, it's getting brighter around here. Amen. It's getting brighter. We're pushing back the darkness. How do we do that? By shining the light. Here is Zacharias. Here's Elizabeth. Here's Mary. And they're all celebrating because Jesus has come. And then also all celebrate because they're a part of the story. They're a part of the story. We, here's what Jesus, when he is ministering into the world and, and where there's division, where there's chaos, where there's conflict, where there's hatred, where he comes into the scene and he brings love. He brings healing. He brings comfort. For those who are outcasts, he brings in. All these amazing things Jesus does and also plans on us doing. And he comes on the scene and says, I'm the light of the world. Well, that's exactly what Zacharias said. The light of the world has now come. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Praise God for that. Amen. Then he says, you're the light of the world. Go out there and shine. Go out there and shine. The darkness can't stop the light. Amen. If the darkness gets pushed back by the light. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. 
there's more spiritual depth here than I can just lay down for you in five minutes. But I need you to catch some of this. A couple Sundays ago, I preached a sermon entitled, You Smell. And some of y'all are here for that sermon. I've gotten a lot of feedback about that sermon. And uh, some of the feedback that I got said, I didn't understand as to why I was so irritating to my family member, co-worker, whatever. Why they just seemed to be agitated, aggravated by me all the time. I didn't understand that until that sermon. And what I was telling in that sermon is that when you bear the Spirit of God within you, those who have an opposing spirit, they're irritated by you. You, you stink to them. They don't understand why. They don't know why you aggravate them. You just do. Have you ever had somebody like, you just don't know why? I don't know what's wrong with them, but there's something wrong with them. Well, that's what they feel about you. They're, they're annoyed by you and don't even know why they're aggravated by you, but it's because you have opposing spirits going on. And there are conflicting spirits happening. You have the spirit of Christ living within you, and they have a dark spirit living within them, and they don't like the spirit that's living within you. Can I, can I encourage you, or maybe rather warn you, Christians, if you are a child of God and you have the Holy Spirit, you have the light of God shining within you, be careful about aligning yourself with those of darkness. Be careful about... Don't come into agreement with the darkness. You're going to have to be careful as this world gets darker around us. Be careful with what you come into alignment with. It will bring conflict into your being. It will bring conflict because as the, the Spirit of God living within you, the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And it tells us how that we are to grieve, how we grieve the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we're hateful to other people, when we have malice, when we uh, align ourselves sexually with things that are not of God. We, we, uh, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And what does that feel like for an individual? It feels like conflict within your being. Can anybody testify? I can. I can give you stories, but I ain't going to because that's my business. All right? I ain't going to share you. <laughs> so... I can tell you what it feels like when the Spirit of God within me is grieved. It feels like chaos within my spirit. It feels like conflict within my spirit. It feels like I just opened the door to darkness. That's what it feels like. And you know what's worse than that? Is becoming so accustomed to that feeling that it don't disturb you anymore. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. John the Baptist, his dad, Zechariah, comes along and says, there's one who's coming. He's the light of the world, and he's going to show the way for others to walk in. Are you walking in the light? If so, don't detour over there into the darkness for a seat. I'm going to promise you, I know all of us do. It's not worth it. Let me get back. I chased that rabbit around. Let's come back, back around to the scriptures here. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. I'm going to, I, I got a little low there. I got a little dark for a second. Let's bring it back up. Verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. Amen. I left out two words. 
What words did I leave out? In us. His glory in us. So that conflict that was in us, that darkness that was in us, that struggle that was going on in us can be pushed out by his light shining in us. Amen. Let's read it again. It's so good. Let's read it again. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. God is, is manifesting his glory within us. But I want to tell you, this is for the here and now, but it will come to its complete fulfillment in the future. So, as they were looking for the Messiah to come, he did. Amen? Celebrating Christmas. He did come. As the world now is looking for the Messiah to come to them, he is through you. Amen? And as we Christians are looking for the Lord to come again, he will. Amen? There are more scriptures about Jesus' second coming than there are about his first coming. I don't know when. I don't know how. But I can guarantee you it's going to happen. Amen? And so, here, Romans chapter 8, there's so much spiritual depth going on here. There's, he is talking about the here and now, but also the hereafter. And so let's read it, verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. The earth itself is saying, oh, I can't wait for Jesus to return. I can't wait for his saints to be glorified. Creation itself. For the creation, verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility. You know what futility is? It's just complete, com continuing to do the same thing over and over and over, but not making any progress. Futility. It just can over and over. And the Bible says creation is struggling with the futility of being under sin, the curse of sin. Creation is groaning. Let's keep reading. For verse 24, the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. You'll notice that the him is capitalized. That means it's God. God subjected creation to this continual repetition of burdensome oppression. It's called the curse. When sin entered into existence in humanity, God cursed it, and, and, and now humanity, it, or creation itself, is under this oppression of sin. Verse 21, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Amen? Creation itself will be delivered. Do you know what it was like in the Garden of, uh, uh, the Garden of Eden? Uh, the, the children would play, could play around, well, they didn't have children yet, but one of these days we'll see it in Isaiah, that, the, that, that there was no um, predators. That's the best way to say it. No predators in the garden. Lions ate grass. Crazy. Animals didn't eat other animals. It, it was just peace everywhere. Every, it was order everywhere. And then when sin entered into the world, all of a sudden everything was conflict. 
Everything was division. Everything, uh, everything shifted and changed. And, and this is the passage of Scripture is explaining that, that when the Lord returns and makes all things right, it all goes back to that again. And that Isaiah passage says that a child can put his arm down a viper hole and, and, the, and, the, and the wolf and the lamb will lie down together. The wolf ain't trying to eat the lamb anymore. Things right again. And so this passage of scripture is talking about that's going to be creation again someday, verse 21, because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Are you at liberty? Are you living in liberty? Are you free? We may be fighting for freedom, but we should be fighting from freedom with the liberty that Christ has set us free. Amen. And now one of these days, all creation is going to know that. But verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs until now. Do you know there's people that listen to the earth? I know there's people that hug trees, but there's people that listen to the earth. And they listen to the earth for its groanings. Because if it starts to groan and the groanings begin getting closer and louder and more severe, then they say, well, there's going to be an earthquake or there's going to be a volcano or there's people that listen. But do you know that the earth itself, creation itself, is waiting for the return of Jesus? But at the same time, when the children of God, that's being you, are living out the righteousness of God and we're bringing the freedom, the liberty, spiritual climates change when you walk into the room, can you imagine that creation itself is just like, yes, yes. You know, the Proverbs talk about how a righteous man, when a, a righteous man has the animals, that they even take care of their animals, but the wicked don't care. This is nothing new. This is nothing new. I mean, uh, creation itself celebrates Christian when you walk by. I got no response. Here's what Jesus said to the Pharisees when the disciples uh, were worshiping him louder than him. Jesus is riding the donkey into the city of Jerusalem. The disciples are just celebrating. They're having a Jesus party because it's coming to pass. It's coming to pass and they're worshiping. And the Pharisees said, tell your people to be quiet. Jesus said, if they stop, rocks will cry out. If they quit worshiping, this is an event of such significance that the earth itself is rejoicing. I'm saying all of that to say this, child of God, you are now a part of the story. Elizabeth, Zechariah, John, Mary, they were all celebrating their part in the story. They were all celebrating. Get to be in on it. I get to get in on it. God's going to use me as a part of the process. I, got to, I get to be a part of him bringing salvation to others. I'm excited about my part in the story. Well, guess what? The story goes on and you're a part of it. You're a part of the salvation story. Are you celebrating the opportunity of being a part of God's plan? Are you rejoicing over the fact that now you are the light of the world? Zechariah said, the light of the world has come. And then Jesus comes along and says, by the way, now you are the light of the world. Jesus could only be in one place at one time. 
even though he was 100% God, he was 100% man, and so he was limited in, in his location. He could only be in one place at, all, at one time. That's why he tells the church, you will do more things than I did. Why? Because now the church encompasses the globe. Now we are the light of the world. You're a part of this story. I pray that you'll go out there and shine. As the darkness tries to bring you down, you bring light into the darkness. Push it down. Let's celebrate the fact that Athens, Texas, and Henderson County is getting brighter around. Amen? It's getting brighter around here. Let's celebrate that. God's doing a good work. There's been some dark history here. There's been some dark history here. But God is pushing back the darkness. Things are shifting and changing. There were portals of hell opened up with the, with the sin of abortion. That guess what? That has been closed now. We kicked those things closed. There's a, there's a curse with the shedding of innocent blood. But when God's people stand up and say, no more, there's blessings that come with that. Amen. There's so many things that God's doing in our community. If you're looking for it, you'll see it. If you've got spiritual eyes that you're looking for the activity of God, you will see what God is doing. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that we get to be a part of your story. We get to be a part of your story and that we shed the light of Jesus. We shine the light of Jesus wherever we go. Spiritual atmosphere, spiritual climates change when we walk onto the scene. The temperature in the room changes when we come in because the Spirit of God living within us manifests itself where we go. There may have been chaos in the room. We walk in, there's peace. There may have been conflict. We walk in, there's love. Lord, shine your light through us and change this world through us. We pray in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus.